Welcome uh, to the Sean Newman Podcast. Today, I have Brad Crookshank in studios with me. He's a proud husband, father of four boys, and uh, as I was just saying off air, I'd love to start listing off all of his accomplishments in hockey, but he's been everywhere, so I think I'm just going to let him do the talking for the most part and see where it leads us. Um, I guess, why don't we go back? You're originally from Kelowna. Uh, now we're sitting in Lloydminster for those people who are listening everywhere right now. We're in the beautiful, lovely, uh, it's at least sun is shining today and the snow is almost gone, but you're originally from Kelowna. So how about we go back? You must miss the mountains. I assume now. Yeah, I loved Kelowna and I still do. We try and get out there as much as we can, but, uh, it's one of the most beautiful places in Canada I'm sure if not the world if not the world yeah it is pretty sweet and uh, I was lucky enough to grow up there man it was uh, it was a good place to grow up and be a kid for sure and so does your family still live back there Shanker? my dad's there uh, with my stepmom and I got a couple stepbrothers there uh, but other than that, no, my family's kind of spread throughout BC a little bit yeah um, Ocean Falls my mom and stepdad uh, kind of in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, on the way up to Alaska, pretty much Prince Rupert, I guess it's it's on the it's on the mainland, but it's kind of in between Prince Rupert and Vancouver Island. They own a uh, well, they had a, a fishing charter, a little camp out of there, and they've oh, been there for ass. for quite some time. But it's uh, it's beautiful out there too. Yeah. So I was just at my uh, a kid's birthday party. You can imagine fifteen. Little kids running around screaming, they're having a grand old time, and then the dads, uh, dads huddled together, and we got talking about um, our kids playing hockey and when they're going to start playing hockey. So going back to, like, your career in hockey is quite impressive. Do you remember when you started playing, and, and was it, was you in a little community, or was, you know, or like, was the rink open yep. all the time, that kind of thing? Like, do you remember how you got your start, or was it a later start? Uh, it was probably about three or four I think is when I started skating on the ponds I remember uh, we used to live on an acreage just kind of on the edge of Kelowna yeah which is now kind of in the the middle of it middle of it yeah it expanded yeah yeah it's kind of strange but I yeah I I grew up on uh, acreage for the first four years until I was four anyways and so I remember skating on the ponds uh, there before we moved right into into the city uh, and then I played my minor hockey, yeah, in, in Kelowna until Pee Wee anyways, until I left. And uh, they're a little bigger town, so we didn't get to wheel into the rink like you would in Edam or Marwane or whatever, whenever you want. Well, I was school, thinking, but. Dad used to take us in Helmond. We used to go flood the ice with him. And while he was flooding by hand, we'd skate the ice, right? And so we were always just on the on the rink. So I was just curious if you remember doing anything, maybe not to that extent, but if you were just on the ice all the time or... Yeah, no, I, I wish it had been like that. Like, <laughs> I see all these small towns, and they're pretty lucky to have that, to be honest. And we definitely didn't have it in Kelowna, uh, but we were on the ice all the time. And back then, yeah. it, it was freezing in the winters. Like, the lakes would still freeze, the ponds. Nowadays, I, I don't think they can – I don't think they skate on the ponds or outdoor rinks there very much at all, right, unless they, they get a really cold winter. But we used to skate on Okanagan Lake. No, no kidding like right out by the bridge right almost in the middle of the lake and you wouldn't get that yeah, who nowadays. needs an open rink when you got water everywhere yeah or ice everywhere i should say yeah no it was an unreal place to to grow up and and the hockey was always good i remember i was just trying to refresh my memory the other day with my my oldest son we were talking about how it worked and 
uh, when you get to or back then, uh, right from Adam, they had Adam Triple A teams out there. So if you, I mean, if you can make it, you Adam Triple A, Pee Wee Triple A. Uh, so the hockey was good. Like I was going back over some of the the names I played against when I was a kid, just from old uh, like tournament programs no and kidding. stuff, and coming across names like Scott Gomez, and I just missed Paul Korea and and uh, guys like that, but. Uh, just lots of guys that that played in the in the show at some point or played professional hockey have, have come through that area. There's that Vernon, Kelowna, Kamloops area is just thick. A with, hockey, a yeah, bed. Yep, big yeah. time. And they're always good teams, good hockey. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Kamloops is always a powerhouse, right? And that's right from the Blazers. They've always been had a had a good program strong so, program yeah. yeah and those those were our big rivals and but yeah i was trying to remember the other day just what it was like and and um yeah we never had to do the the long trips or anything like that because out there everything's so close right here it's we're constantly traveling for for kids hockey at adam and peewee age it's just it's a lot different than when yeah I it's was a lot a of travel you say adam triple a like like in lloyd we have tier one is that comparable or? Yep. Yep. But the tier one teams here, I think you probably, you get at least two or three, maybe four if there's enough kids, right? Yeah. Uh, there you would just make one team. So they oh, have you just, your one you just have one team. top team. Yep. One top team. I'm not sure what the, uh, what the, the, how the whole tiering went. If it was double A, then A after that, and then house league, I think. I'm pretty sure that's that's how it worked, but um, yeah, I just I had a, a picture of an old jacket and it said right on the the sleeve Adam AAA and and um, I just thought it was funny because it's it's not like that out here. No, now. it's not at all. No, no. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was it was good hockey. Yeah, and so then you move on to Calgary, and yep. we we're, we're just talking a little bit of it off air. Like you you win a Max Cup out there, which is. Well, that's that's midget midget AAA for people who don't know. That's that's what top twenty five team. Well, I shouldn't say top, but twenty five very very good teams from all over the world come into Calgary and compete for the Max Cup, which is going like it's been around for a long time. 30, now. 40 years. Yeah, and long time. So to win that is quite the feat. And maybe you want to just shed some light on that and in your you're saying you went to junior and then came back maybe we can talk a little bit about that yeah i so from Kelowna, i actually moved to quinnell for a year played my first year peewee there because uh, my mom and dad kind of split up and uh so yeah i headed up there for a year and um it was a different place uh quinnell bc i don't even know if you're familiar with it no, at you're, look, all. you're looking yeah. at me yeah. you <laughs> <laughs> it's right by Prince George, in between okay. Prince George and Williams Lake. Different place. I only lasted there a year, and then I and then I moved to Calgary. Played my minor Bantam, uh, so it would have been Bantam minor double A. Okay. They, I think that's how they, they did it in Calgary at the time. Uh, and then I went straight from, instead of playing my, my second year of Bantam, my major Bantam year, uh, I, I just went to junior A. And at ended 15. Up at 15, yep. Yeah. Yeah, which was, you know, in hindsight now, I, I understand why the people around me and um, I understand why we, we went that route. But in hindsight, looking back now, you know, probably was a little quick. 
uh, especially for where I was at maturity wise, um, just at that point in my life, um, may have been a little too much. So, uh, the first two years of junior, you know, I didn't play a ton, you know, as a 15, 16 year old and that's valuable development time. Absolutely. Valuable. And, uh, yeah, I just, it, it was a bit of a struggle and as much as I enjoyed it, it just, yeah, it just, it was, it was tough. So I ended up coming back my 17 year old year and finished that season uh, midget triple a and then the following season i think it was my 18 my my last year of midget eligibility um i played that full season and that was the year we won the max so was it just going back to playing junior and then was it your choice to go back to to midget then and were you just or yeah mine and my family's i was living with my aunt and uncle at the time yeah and uh yeah it was it was all of our decisions uh basically and and I I don't know the answer to this, so you probably do. When you leave a junior A team like that, can you just walk? I just say it ain't for me. I'm gonna go play midget, and and then just walk over to the midget team. And if they got room, they just slide you. More on. or less, yeah. If they have room and can accommodate, then then yeah. And it worked out that they did for us and or for me, and and it ended up being a great season. I ended up playing with two guys that that had uh, NCAA Division One scholarships later on after their their junior. So. Played with two really skilled guys and had lots of success that year. The Max tournament, we just tore that thing up our line. I think we all finished above 25 points in that tournament. And how many games do you play? Yeah, like eight. Yeah, yeah. like holy crap. Yeah, Andrew Wong and uh, Jay Hamill. Yeah, I haven't said those names in a long time. but <laughs> Man, that was a long time ago. 1996, I believe it was. 96. 96, yep. And we played another Calgary team in the final, which was cool. So the Saddle Dome was was rocking. It was it was awesome. There was ten thousand people in there. At midget, like that's a you know it's pretty pretty Screw that. Yeah. At midget, try at any age. Yep. Yeah. Right. Like uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. You played some high end hockey, but for most guys, they don't never get to see a thousand people in the building. So for ten thousand to come out to a midget game, like that must have been. Uh, yeah, it was pretty amazing. Wouldn't have been hard to get up for something like that. Nope, no, it was not uh, not hard to get motivated for that one. That's for sure. And then to win it, the party after must have been uh, yeah enjoyable. It a, yeah, it was a good time. <laughs> it was a good time. I wish I was a couple of years older, but no, it, it was good. And yeah, it was an experience that I'll definitely never forget. And you know, a couple of years ago, coaching with the the midget AAA team here, we were able to go back and made it to the finals and we were playing the the calgary flames and it was 20 years ago to that day that, that you'd won with that, the calgary yeah, flames right it was yeah. the flames you played with right? yeah and there was a couple of my teammates that were on the coaching staff for them at the time really uh yeah yeah oh that must have been a pretty cool uh yeah it was oh, a neat experience neat i didn't experience, expect yeah. to see i didn't expect to to run into them so it was kind of a bonus or whatever and yeah, it was just a it was a neat experience and it was fun to go there and watch the uh you know the the kids we had at the time here with Lloyd go through it and what a team that was that that 2000 group of kids uh, Ty Smith yeah. and and all them that they were they were an unreal group so it's too bad we didn't end up winning it but we ended up losing I think 2-1 in the finals but pretty pretty neat experience and the max tournament is got to be class. one of the yeah it is it is first class it's you got teams from Europe you got teams from the states teams from all over the place and and uh i mean it's invite only so they are most of the top teams in in midget yeah yeah, yeah. and that's something 
Yeah, I never even got close to it. I played our midget team won our league that year, but I don't even think, like, you were talking, like, you had Adam AAA. Like, all growing up in Lloyd, I think, until I was well done my 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 uh, minor hockey, like, all we had was AA. Now, I, we played in the rural hockey league, right? The Fort yep. Max, the Grand Prairies. You want to talk about travel, that was travel. No kidding. And there was a lot of good hockey players in there, um, but – now that they got AAA here in Lloyd, like it's really changed uh, the landscape. Because we used to, you know, I talked uh, on previous podcasts about like Clark MacArthur and those guys, and like him going and playing Strathcona in our Bantam year, right? Because Strathcona had AAA, so we all went there. And the next year, I think we all went to Fort Saskatchewan for tryouts. Everybody tried getting to the next tier, but the next tier wasn't Lloyd. Now, the cool thing is, is Lloyd has that, right? Like, when well, they've had it for quite some time now. But yeah, anytime you get to keep local talent sitting here for everybody to watch, right? Like, you talk Ty Smith. Like, I got to go watch him that year. And I remember thinking, because he would have been how old at the time? 15? Yeah, 16 tops. 16 yeah, tops? Was, yeah, 15, and 16. And he year. looked like an 18-year-old out there, yeah. right? Like, he was big but smart and could really move. And it was it was impressive to watch him uh, play. And anytime you can have your local kids stick around like that, it's pretty cool. Yeah, and it's it's they're definitely uh, like this this area is is rich with hockey too, man, and and good hockey. Like there is a lot of good hockey players around here that come through this area that leave prematurely, right before midget, to, whether it's to go to an academy or, or whatever. Yeah. Or join another midget AAA program, but there's definitely a lot of kids leaving Lloyd and. Uh, it's you know kind of unfortunate, but you can't can't blame them either, right? They've got their own journey to to, yeah, do. to go down. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, exactly. And and you know, parents just want the best for their kids. So I see, I understand why it happens and why it goes down. And but uh, this 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 area should be able to to field a competitive midget AAA team every year, just off uh, just off the local kids here. I think they still you know they're allowed to grab from around the surrounding area and we had a few kids that year ashton oaks and um you know a few few other kids from the marwayne area franklin zane franklin Franklin, yeah uh, but for the most part yeah that was a pretty local team yeah wow heck yeah i consider marwayne local so yeah i'm a home on kid right yeah i grew up just outside of lloyd and that's the same kind of area you're pulling from right like there's there's a lot of local talent just laying in the weeds for you pretty much. Yeah. No, but. it's that and that's the best time that I tell these and while well, I was telling those kids that year lots just Soak slow down and yeah. exactly remember this cuz A it's going to go fast and B you ain't going to get to do it again. Yeah. Um and C most kids don't get to have a, a year like that where they get to experience things like that. Winning in general in hockey is it's hard, like, you know. It's it's winning a championship doesn't come any day at any level. It doesn't matter what level you play at. It's 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 hard to do, and in the big picture, most people don't do it. Yeah, most people that play hockey don't win a championship, right? And it's it's hard to win, man. It's hard to win. I play with guys that played for ten to fifteen years professionally that you know never made it out of the first couple rounds of playoffs let alone win a championship so that's gonna be frustrating i went through a long lull in my career where we were a bad hockey team where we just didn't win a whole lot and that's yep it's tough to 
keep a positive mindset when you're doing it's the that. way it goes for most that's the <laughs> yeah it is i didn't win for it took me you know once i left junior and and after the midget win after the midget triple a yeah man it must have been almost 12 15 years before i won again yeah. after that midget triple a win going so long you wonder if you're ever going to get back there yeah it just shows how hard it is championships yeah. don't come uh they don't come every day that's for sure yeah well let's get back to it then uh, talk about uh maybe i know we were talking you you go back you play your your midget you win a max cup and then the year after that you go back to playing junior a correct yep yeah i finished ended up going back to to junior and finishing my last couple of years uh it might have even been three years yeah i think it was three years my 18 yeah 19 over age year um yeah had some success but not 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 as a not as a team we never won anything being with the royals i think we got out of the first round of the playoffs once uh even though we had good teams and yeah we had some future nhlers but the the aj was pretty competitive back then had at some point you tried out for the dub didn't you yeah played a little bit that was right in the middle of my mid come before i came back to midget yeah uh, oh before you came back to midget yeah yeah. So you went from junior A and then went up to the up to the dub for a little bit and then came back to midget. Yeah, yeah, man, I took the long road. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is it is a tough go, and the dub's not for everyone. And and again, that did did I have the skill and toughness to play in that league? Absolutely. But at that stage of my life, I had a lot going on and. Um, yeah, I wasn't always concentrated on hockey first and foremost. And if you're going to play in the Western League, you got to be ready to bring your A game. You can't be freezing up in the middle of games, and and uh, you just you can't afford to take a night off because it's just it is that competitive trying to make those teams. And there's so many good players out there. And and uh, yeah, so I played a few games with the Hitmen, and then after the Max, uh, my rights were were moved. Uh, to Edmonton, I believe. So I played a couple games that at the end of that match. Which, uh, was that the ice? Year. Yeah, Edmonton Ice yeah, back cause then. They, yeah, because they were the ice and then they left and now they're back as the uh, Oil Kings. Oil Kings, yeah. 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 yeah, so played a little bit there and then Lethbridge at the start of the next season and then ended up going back to Junior A after uh, being in Lethbridge for, for a couple months. And then, yeah, just finished out my junior in, in Calgary and – you were saying more of a comfortable fit. Like when you talk about the dub, was it the stress of like how much of a grind plus all the talent chasing you to get in those lineups? Like, and was there, and you noticed a, there was like a noticeable difference, I guess is what I'm trying to get at when you played junior A, just in the um, talent pool maybe versus. Yeah, for sure. It was definitely more competitive, tougher. Everything about it was, was tougher. The coaches were tougher. We had, Oh, what's his name? Maxwell, Dennis Maxwell. Okay, I think it's Dennis Maxwell. He, he coached the the Hurricanes for a long time back in the nineties, and he was a big, tough, old school. I think he played in the the show. I think he was a bit of a tough guy or whatever. But he he was hard to to play for, and that's just what it was like. Everything was back then. It was it was old school, right? They didn't care about your feelings or <laughs> or anything to. <laughs> Uh, not on that side of things. They 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 just wanted you to come out and, and play hockey and 
and um yeah it was just it was tough it was stressful and it just at the point in, that i was at in my life i just wasn't uh, mentally strong enough i guess to to cope with it yeah that's i can i can attest i wasn't uh uh, if you've been listening to this, you've heard me talk many a time about being told that uh, I was just talking to Harlan Lessig on the last one about going to Kindersley and them telling me I was four, four inches too short. And if I was four inches taller, I'd be on the team. And it almost broke me to the point where I was like, you know, I don't even know if I want to play hockey anymore. Right. Well, you can tell where my mental toughness was at the time, right? Like, you got to be able to take things on the chin and keep on on moving is what you're talking about yeah and that's not every kid not every kid at especially a young age like that can handle some of the things that are said and thrown at them yep and hockey's still like that to a certain degree right it's a tough sport yeah i mean any any sport is tough um hockey is it's it's tough mentally and and physically right it's emotionally too there's a there's a lot to it what do you what do you think of them uh, moving hitting further away from the young kids? Because oh. I think they're at Bantam now, right? Yeah, and they've moved it all the way to Bantam. I've heard rumors, and I don't know; they're just rumors. But I've heard them talking about pushing it just to the elite teams. So now, if you only play AAA, you're in hitting, and anything below that, or maybe AA below that, now you get no hitting. And talking about kids leaving the sport because um, essentially the body contact pushes them away from a, it's too rough of a game that kind of thing and so uh participation is down and i'm quoting that um and so do you think it's there's a benefit to the game moving away from hitting or do you think it should be the opposite way i've heard the argument where kids at a younger age should get to just feel a little bit of a bump it's definitely a sticky topic right it's yeah. it's tough and it's really i mean I don't know. That's a tough one to answer. Uh, maybe, you know, keeping hitting in it at the peewee level uh, wouldn't be such a bad idea maybe for the elite level of, of peewee, just yep. kind of like yep. you're saying with Bantam. And, and honestly, I, I'm, I'm totally fine with uh, Bantam going to no contact for house league or, or city league, right? And that, why not? Like if it, Actually, I agree, right? Yeah. What's the point of having it down? Let, let yeah. kids learn and, only, and get the fundamentals under yep. them before you add in another roadblock of some kid trying to knock your block off. There's such a size difference between a lot yeah. of the kids now too, right? So... And there always was, uh, but now it just seems more so than ever. I, there just seems to be a lot more big kids. Um, I definitely wasn't drinking the Kool-Aid, obviously. Yeah. Heck, neither were you, because what are you, 5'9"? Yeah, 5'10", yeah. 5'10", right? Like, you're, you're yeah, in my big. standards, you're big, but by the <laughs> NHL hockey standards, you're a small guy. Yeah, and it's, yeah, it's, it's a tough sport for a small guy, but, I mean, once you learn your, your edge work and your body positioning and um you know how to wiggle out of hits and be prepared for them that's the biggest thing is knowing how to take a hit and be prepared for it and being able to see it out of the corner of your eye in advance and yeah Yeah. but yeah i'm i'm good with with hitting uh staying in at peewee yeah in the elite levels and i'm also good with it coming out at certain levels too, right? Yeah, at, whatever at, level that is. Yeah, and, and maybe that is a thing. I, I, I would not be surprised to, to see open ice hitting gone from, from hockey altogether at some point in the next 
decade or two. Well, the way it's moving, it's coming quick, right? There's like, lots of guys pushing for it behind the scenes, and you wouldn't believe how many of those guys are ex-NHL tough guys. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to quote anyone on anyone, air, but... What, but what, why are they pushing so hard for it, do you think? I don't know. Maybe because they have money tied up in that lawsuit against the NHL or they're <laughs> expecting. I, I don't know. No, I... I, I don't I don't know. It's funny that that it's those guys, right? And I don't see that, um, you know, hitting all together is, is the culprit. I think it has a lot to do with the equipment, uh, shoulder pads. Like they they're massive nowadays, right? And they I mean that's the seems to be the the most common uh, reason for concussion is shoulder to jaw. Yeah. And those massive shoulder pads. And the game you talked, it's getting a little bigger. It seems like it's faster. getting faster, right? I was just talking to Harland about uh, rule changes they've been implemented. Well, it was my midget year where they took out the red line. Up until that point, you can do the two ice pass. No kid even remembers that now, right? Like, right. that's so far gone. But yep. that used to slow the game up because now you can't, you know, now you can make that pass. You can make the far blue line pass. You yep. can do that chip play and then chase down the D-man and... Well, I'm a D-man, and I'm a small D-man. I know all about that, right? Like, that's what what guys are trying to do. But, uh, yeah, well, it's interesting that behind the scenes, that's where it's getting pushed by. I I always just grew up playing with hitting and enjoying the hitting part of it, right? Yep. I'm a small guy, and I like to hit. I just got to go about it a different way than most. So Right. And even, to be honest, when I was in Pee Wee in BC, there was no hitting, even back then. When we came to Calgary for a peewee tournament, my second year of peewee, there there was hitting in Calgary. Right? And you never had hitting before? Not in BC, yep. In really? B- in BC, peewee was already a non-contact when I was playing, yep. Interesting. Yeah, so we would come, we, we came to Calgary for a tournament. And uh, had to get readjusted. Oh, yeah, it was awesome, though. We loved it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, bunch of peewee kids coming in, have never been able to hit before. That's, and that's funny just, that they would do it in a province, but not yeah. kind of mandate or or right. or take the data from it and then go. You know what? It actually proved well in BC. We should mandate it across everywhere, right? And and see, yeah. maybe they have been doing that. Maybe they? they did that. Yeah, I don't know because hitting was pulled out of Alberta in peewee. Yeah, after BC for sure. <clears throat> so maybe they. I don't know. Maybe they realized it worked, or gonna have to get someone from hockey can on the phone. Eh? Yeah, <laughs> track them down. Track them down. <laughs> well, I wanted to bug you too. You know, we talked about Max Cup, and then uh, the Viking Cup. Because I don't, I don't even. Maybe you could tell uh, the folks what the Viking Cup is. Because I'm pretty sure the Viking Cup is no more. Yeah, yeah. The Viking Cup is dissolved now. It's it's gone. Um, I think they stopped. Yeah, somewhere around 2006. Yeah, to I think 2000. it was 2006. Yeah. and it used to be hosted in Camrose. Correct. Right, and it used to be the top junior age kids in a. Well, you played yeah. in it. They would make a all star team from the Alberta Junior Hockey yeah. League, BC Junior Hockey League, yeah. Manitoba, SJ, and then there was a Czech Republic. Czech Republic was there. Yeah. And then the under eighteen U.S. team, who like, we ultimately ended like, up holy losing. Holy crap! Right, yeah, like they that were good. Is... And uh, I bet you, a lot of those guys off that 
roster, the the under the U eighteen American team. Well, I, I quick, I, oh, I didn't show. look at the Americans. I was just looking across seas who came over because I was kind of curious. Yep. And like Hasek played in it. Yep. Um, Peter Klima for old Oiler fans, right? Uh, Ole Jokinen, Tuka Rask, Henrik Lundqvist, right? So there was some giant names go through that thing. Absolutely, yeah. It was it was probably one of the best tournaments I've I've ever played in. It, it, it was fun. It was great, and we we had a powerhouse team. We were good. We ended up beating the U.S. in the round robin in overtime and going six and zero into the final. So we we were pumped, riding a we high, ready, riding a high, and then we ended up losing. I think four three to to the U.S. to the U.S. The, you remember finals. who played on that AJ uh, team with you? Uh, would have been Barnes. Would have been the, Stu Barnes. Well, Ryan Barnes. Ryan Barnes played for Lloyd. At the time, the Blazers. Okay. okay. Uh, he was my roommate, actually. Yeah. What and was then, it? What, sorry, what was the form of that? Because it was over like a three-week period, wasn't it? Two-week period? No, just a uh, just one week. Oh, it was one week. Yeah. Oh, I must have read that wrong. I could have yeah. swore it said longer. So it was just one week. So they the throw year you up we in, were there. Yeah. They, they throw you have. up in a hotel, and then that's no. We billeted with Camrose, the AJ. Yeah, I'm not sure what the other teams did. But our team, we we billeted with with people right in the the Camrose community. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, it was a great experience. We had awesome billets, and as I'm sure everybody did, but um, yeah, it was a, it was a fantastic experience. Gord Thibodeau was our, one of our coaches. Uh, Jeff Christensen, who ended up coaching, he was the head coach of Camrose at the time. Ended up coaching in the head coach of Kelowna Rockets, and now he's in the American League. He might even be in the NHL now. Gary Van Haraway, I think, was a part of it. Like oh, yeah. we, we had yeah. awesome coaches and just a yeah, great team. Great experience. The community was awesome. Camrose is a great place. They yeah. were The people there were awesome. and the Yeah, it was it was a good tournament, man. That was a lot of fun. And you we were, didn't win did, it. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you're going against an entire country's under-18 team, right? That's why it was so impressive, right? Like, yeah, yeah we had 20-year-olds, right? Like, I was a 21-year-old. Yeah. Um, but, I'm, yeah, you're drawn from your entire country. Like, that was your U18 development program. That was the best team they, they could put together. And so it was pretty impressive that, you know, we could even stay Honestly, with Honestly, it's too bad that isn't still going, right? Like, that's... uh an impressive Huge. feat to, to put a tournament on like that and have it in Camrose, Alberta. Yep. Right? Like, that's... that's oh, it's pretty- awesome. And awesome for the scouts. You know, what an easy place. There's a lot of scouts in this area, right? Yeah. And a lot of scouts between There's a Edmonton lot of and hockey Calgary in this and, freaking area. Yeah, and that, that place was just... Uh, yeah, it was a, a lot of guys moved on from that tournament, that's for sure. Now, you go back to uh, the Royals, right? You're playing junior for the Royals at the time. Yep. And you talk about losing in the first round, and then the day after you lose in the first round, you get a phone call and you head south. Yeah, I honestly had never really even heard of the East Coast League or Central Hockey League or West Coast Hockey League. I didn't know anything about those minor leagues. All I knew was NHL and American League. Um, Yeah, and uh, two days after, not even, the next day after we lost out to Camrose and right at the end of February I got a call from a guy named Todd Gordon he was the head coach of the Toledo Storm in the East Coast League and I was like where the heck is this okay (laughs) Ohio 
sure, right on. Didn't even didn't even need a passport. That was in two thousand. Yeah, I think ninety nine or two thousand. Had your birth certificate and away you went. Didn't even need that. Just needed my driver's license. Went to the airport. Bullshit, really? Yep, that's it. Holy crap! How I times know. have changed. Yep. I think. I, yeah, that's it. Driver's license and a bag of clothes and a hockey bag. Jumped on an airplane and landed in Detroit at like two in the afternoon. The goalie, uh, who was under contract at the time with Tampa, he was hurt. He picked me up at the airport. He's smoking cigarettes the whole way back to the <laughs> to the rink. We're we're driving straight to the rink because there's a game that night, and I was barely gonna gonna make it there in time for for warm up. So I had no idea what to step in, what, like what is going on or what the rink looks like. And, you know, am I even playing tonight? And well, you don't have an iPhone at this point, so you definitely can't, like, don't have you, an iPhone. You can't be sitting there in the passenger seat googling everything, going, no. "Oh, this is who we're playing," and "Oh, that's who they got," and whatever. Like you're going there blind. Going there blind. Yeah, it was it was pretty intimidating. I'm not gonna lie, especially when he picked me up and he's smoking darts and it's just I wasn't ready for it. I was I wasn't expecting that. But it, what a great experience that was, though. Uh, first game, old rink. Just a little, I don't know, five thousand seat rink, stuffed to the to the rafters. Even though Toledo was out of the playoffs at that point, but uh, we were playing Peoria Rivermen. They were huge, massive team. Uh, we had to walk through the concourse in our home rink in Toledo. There, so I go there get get ready for warm up, and it's the first time putting on a helmet without a visor, and they got warm up jerseys and. We walk through the concourse and you walk out into the stands and you literally walk through the stands down to the bench and then onto the ice. They have a tunnel for their team that comes out and everything so the fans can't and glass around their bench. But our bench was literally a chain <laughs> behind us. No glass or anything. It was a chain and the fans sitting right right with you, right on the bench, literally. It was it was unreal. Ended up scoring that game though, so that was that was pretty exciting. That would have been a confidence booster. Yeah, it was it was pretty awesome. I'm I'm glad I did. I just tapped in a puck sitting on the goal line, but hey, whatever. So did you have to like did you have to sign a contract or Yep. Yeah. Yep. So you like you had Yeah, I think it was for four hundred and twenty five bucks a week or whatever the minimum was at the time. Hey, I'll, I, if you haven't listened to me and Harlan talk, I'll say it to the cows come home. You did way better than I ever did. <laughs> My first, first and only contract was 150 euro a month. So 425 bucks <laughs> sounds pretty decent right now. Yeah, no, hey, I was 21 years old and I was pretty excited. So yeah, living on my, uh, living with a, a guy from Ontario, Jeff White, I think his name was. Uh, we lived in some dingy little apartment. and How long were you down was, there for? Just six weeks. Six weeks? Yep. Finished off the season, did a couple golf tournaments, and then uh, they were out of the playoffs before I even went down there. Yeah. I think how it originally got linked up is I had a, a guy that was out of Calgary that was a scout for Tampa, and he had watched me play for a long time and uh yeah he's the one that that i think that tipped them off yeah and and you know i ended up staying in their their system with that that coach uh geez for the next four years i think i played for for todd uh so that's the that all came up you know just off of the that one scout 
making a recommendation and and uh yeah i ended up playing for that that coach for for the next five years well where do you go after there so you go from toledo toledo came home for the summer and then went to uh with that coach so that same coach from toledo knew he was going somewhere for a year yeah and then to somewhere else after that yeah back in the tampa bay organization yeah so I didn't re-sign in Toledo uh, on his strict instructions. Uh, and I followed him to Fayetteville, North Carolina in the Central League, which was a really tough league. Tough like we're talking fighting? Yeah. Or are we talking? Lot, scrapping. Lots scrap. of scrap. And every team was like four to eight guys deep. Oh, guys, you could just throw nuts. heavy weight division. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was fun, but... It got old. So I, I, I should preface, I, I assume most people who tune into this kind of know your background a little bit, right? And uh, the all the stuff that's been on Facebook uh, in the last day since I put out that I was having you on, I, it was pretty crazy. Lots of guys uh, sharing and commenting and whatever else. And I went down the rabbit hole of looking at your fights, right? And I mentioned earlier, you're only 5'10". Like, you're not this giant of a guy. But if you go on YouTube and watch you, you fight heavyweight after heavyweight after heavyweight. <laughs> I should have brought this up way back at the beginning. Like, in midget through junior into the dub, now you're down in Toledo. Like, have you been fighting this entire time? Yeah, not not so much like a midget. And obviously there's not a ton of fighting in midget, right? But I, I was definitely a bit of a hothead in midget. But I, I was producing. I put up some pretty decent numbers. And yeah. even in junior, um, you know, I scored 40 goals the last year. And had 20 fights or whatever right the year before i think i fought about 25 times and had roughly 20 goals so i'd been doing it yeah since since junior um and you know what i kind of think i did it to myself right once you get a name for yourself yeah it's it's hard like i i don't know if i want to use the word pigeonholed but uh once you get in that role and people expect that of you or that's tied to your name, it is extremely hard to shake. At least it was back then. It was... Yeah. Well, it isn't the same game anymore. No, it's totally different you, now. You name, you yeah. go to a junior game, and I know there's guys who still like to fight, but like, how many fights do you even see, right, at a right. junior A game, right, I'm, or, or higher? I, I mean, you still see, it, it's still there a little bit, but... Um, that used to be just a part of it, right? You used to go to a game and you expect to see one to three fights a game, right? It was just something. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so I could see how your name gets mixed up with he likes to throw that. And so when they got a guy and they need to change the momentum and say, hey, go see if Shank wants to go go around with you. All right. And then while I know how most of us are on the ice, I shouldn't say most of us. I only, my, my fighting career lasted about. <laughs> three games a year as I had five or six in my illustrious junior A career. But um, I could see how a guy comes and then they're having a bad game. Well, let's go shake it up. Shank, we'll throw him down with you for sure, right? And as a young guy, you're not going to back down because that's not what young guys do, right? And yep. so away you go. And then, I mean, then 20 years go by and you're you're known for it. Right, yeah. It's, yeah, it's almost a vicious cycle. <laughs> as much as I loved doing it uh, when I was younger, you know, in my early days, it's it's a rush, man, when you're doing it in front of, you know, anywhere from a thousand to ten thousand people. It's 
uh, it's pretty exciting or it's, you know, can be a pretty good feeling. So that's kind of where that comes from, but it's, yeah, it's hard to get out of and it's, it's hard to, to shake that role after you get stuck in it. Did you have some good fans that were just going nuts when you'd go or yeah. chanting your name and yeah, yeah. And yeah. England's was like that quite a bit, right? You yeah, know the fans are pretty interactive. Europe's different than than everywhere else, right? They yeah. have that soccer, soccer mentality. Yeah. yeah, standing up, waving flags, and you know everybody's the, into it. Some of the rinks you go into, they, they don't sit, right? Like in we played in France and Rouen or whatever. Those people, I swear to God, they didn't sit the whole game. Like they just stand, <laughs> stand all, and four thousand people. <laughs> Stand and waving flags, but it sounds like there's a hundred thousand people in that yeah. little rink, right? <laughs> yeah. So you go to Fayetteville, and you mentioned that this is kind of where they, or maybe this was Jamie telling me that where they kind of change your role into that that guy who was willing to drop the mitts. I think I was looking at your hockey DB, and like you had a couple seasons there where you're three hundred plus penalty minutes, that kind of thing. Like that's a yeah, that's a load. Yep. Then that's primarily what I did in Fayetteville for sure. It yeah. was so you're a lot sc- of scrapping. <laughs> so you, you said it's a tough league. So you're is that one fight a night then? Well, Kinda you can have up to three. Who did you ever have yeah. three in a night? Uh, I don't know if I did that year. I would have had a couple for sure, but it, I've done it a couple times. It's is that just a little bit of. Just a little bit of hatred between two guys, yeah. right? Yeah, like you get round one in and somebody knocks the other guy down, well, we're going to settle this right now. Yep. Yeah, it definitely happens like that or line brawls. And if you're the first guy fighting, you get to stay in the game and it's a heated game, well, you're probably going to go again, right? It's We've had some good rivalries down there, especially playing in the coast because you're playing teams – Oh, teams in your division up to 12 times and it's different from junior or midget or whatever right when you're when you got grown men playing against each other 14 times in a year by the time playoffs are done or 20 times in a year by the time because we play the teams in our division in the coast 12 times oh and that's not including exhibition games yeah or, that's a grind man yeah or playoffs and so by the twelfth time you play that team, something's probably happened in between a few times, right? It's, yeah, you st- uh, stubbed your toe on somebody and right. and uttered you're gonna die the next game, kind of thing. Yep, and so yeah, that role just kind of followed me for the first bit, especially when I was in the states. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, I, I don't know how you would have got out of it at that time without looking like a coward. Yeah. And just stopping fighting altogether. But, I mean, before every game, you can you go into the dressing room when you get there two hours before and they have the, the media package, right? Yeah. So the first thing you do is flip it open and see who's playing for their team that night and yeah, who's a, who's a scratch and who's a not. And all their stats are in there and everything. So there's no getting away from it. Once you're in that role, They every guy on every team knows who you are when you come into their they're building that uh, night yeah. or whatever, right? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the same thing used to happen when I played in Dryden, right? We had uh, Larry Wintoniak, who's an assistant coach here in Kindersley. Yep. But at the time, he was coaching there, and he, he's been around the Junior A leagues uh, a lot, pretty much all his life. And he used to be very professional like that. Print us off, their stats, their everything. So you had to, we had to read through it before each game, and it's no different, right? You'd look to see who was scratched, who was playing. And that time, I was still using wood sticks. 
<laughs> which I loved. You know, as a small guy, I, I, I always got to use it in front of the net. I get uh, harassed now because of how uh, I like to use my stick on the ice. But right. back then, that was the only way I could keep the big guy away from me no or, doubt. or away from the net, right, was using that little thing. And a nice wood stick never breaks. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Our kids are using wood shafts in lacrosse now. Oh, really? Same concept, though. Yeah. They're heavier and harder. Yeah. And they don't break. And they don't break. No, not even on a guy's arm. No. Yeah. No, it's a... Uh, yeah, it was a interesting time those years. It was tough as much as I love doing it. It's a, it's a tough role to do, and it's grinding, like it mentally and emotionally. Yeah. It's who is, harder than anyone could who is ever maybe, imagine. Uh, who is uh, maybe like... Uh, I don't know, your most memorable fight or the guy that you're just like, oh, I don't want to do this. Like, this guy is a monster or something along that lines. Because, I mean, I don't know how many fights you had in your career, but you had a lot. Yeah, probably, over, I don't know, some. Well, with Junior, the ones that maybe aren't on uh, officially listed or whatever. I think I had over 100 over 100 fights on dropyourgloves.com or whatever it's called. I haven't checked <laughs> yeah. it in a while, but I don't think the junior ones are on there. But all in all, it, it would have easily been over, I'm going low at 140, 150. Yeah. Um, even, yeah, that's that's so, a lot. So really. who, oh no, that's a crazy <laughs> amount. I'm yeah, talking, I had ridiculous. like, I, I probably count them on both hands, right? I probably had 10 to 12, yep. I mean, but I was never... I was never a good fighter. That's a good thing. I guess so. It's a tough role, man, and it's not not for everybody, and it's not for guys that are probably my size. Yeah. Well, I just saw there was a video showed of you fighting. Uh, uh, how do you say his last name? Nadir. Yep. Nadir, and then I yep. watched one the other day of McMorrill. Yeah. Like those right. two guys were monsters. Monsters. Yep. I don't know about McMurrow. I don't know if he played in the show. I don't think a little he, bit. Did he play a little yeah, cup of coffee? Played in the American League for a long time. Yeah. Like he, he was. Big. massive yeah. and every time you got up he just he just throw Pull it he down. never caught you it didn't look like he caught you no. with anything but he had so much like length and every time he caught you with even a, a graze there was so much weight behind it and oh, push yeah. you back to the ground totally like i could just i can't imagine get going okay i'm gonna fight this big behemoth heavyweight right and then you fight nadir and he is i looked his stats up he's from i think nigeria yep and he was six foot four or six foot two and 240 some pounds yeah and like a monster monster right he played for the rangers for a bit yeah he had 65 games in the show with uh what did it say i think five goals nine points something like that yeah or 100 105 now i'm gonna look him up because (laughs) i uh he's tough i know that he was a big man like when he comes on the video screen and if you haven't seen this fight look him up (laughs) nadir n-d-u-r versus brad kirkshank you look that up and he comes on the screen you're like you're gonna fight that guy (laughs) like yeah not much fun what I was, was 32 at the time. Yeah, too, what was right? your wife saying in the stands? Yeah, she probably didn't like that one too much. I kind of feel sorry for her uh, at points having to watch some of the shit that happened. But, <laughs> hey, it's all part of it. Well, I mean, it's just you get thrown in that role and then you you come up against the next team. I mean, it's kind of like a notch in, your, notch in your belt, though. Yeah, I, I never really got to start playing hockey again until I did go to Europe. I just didn't know I was going to the toughest league in Europe. <laughs> I should have been a little more aware as the internet was fully fired up by then. But Britain, uh, Britain's the toughest league in Europe? The UK league is tough, yeah. 
It's it's even now is starting to change a little bit, but it's still one of the last professional leagues that that's you know fairly physical. McGradden was just over there really? a year or two ago. West Garth, yeah, all those guys are were playing over there. Guy from the uh, Ice Guardians documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, all that being filmed is is uh, when they're when they're doing him on ice is in Belfast in the in the Elite League in the UK. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Okay, Ruman Nadir. I hope I'm yep. pronouncing that right. Yep. And is six foot two. Weighs in at two forty four, so right. I can just imagine probably two sixty four at probably, the later right? end of his days. He is from Nigeria, and in the NHL, he played sixty nine games, two goals, three assists, five points, and had one hundred thirty seven penalty minutes. And I mean, that's just. And then he also played AHL for a lot. There's seventy yep. games right there, right? Like, well, two, three, four, five full seasons in AHL. He was a big boy when he got. By the time he got to you, you were facing a yep. weathered vet. Yeah, yeah, two weathered vets, just one a lot bigger and stronger. Yeah. So let's talk about you go. Then you go from you go from Fayetteville, and then you go to Pensacola, I think, right? Yeah. What better place to go? Yeah, it was unreal, man. Like uh, for the listeners, if you don't know where Pensacola is, that's Florida. That's about as close to the coast as you can get. Actually, it's pretty much the coast. It is. You're yep. almost in water. Yep. Pensacola, Florida. We were on the Gulf of Mexico by noon every day after practice. I don't think much. I ever told you this, but uh, my uh, roommate in Ontario, uh, my junior roommate, he actually played for, well, they were, what were they when ice pilots when you played? Yep. And they were the ice flyers now, I believe. Yep. And he won with them, uh, what was that, 2013, I think? Yep. And uh, was rookie of the year with him uh, his first year. I think he played two years with him. Yep. Right. That was S- Jordan. SPHL. Yeah, SPHL yep. Southern Pro. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Jordan Chong at a on oh, Vancouver yeah, okay. over there. Yeah. Yeah. Sick place. Lucky oh. guy. Win a he, championship. When he signed there, he was sending me photos of their place. They had a condo, and I, you probably, I'm probably just reminding yep. you of it. Condo's right on the beach. Right on the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah, so why you, the heck did you ever leave Yeah, there? I know, I know. Well, there was a bit of a change at the helm going on. So the coach I had played for mm-hmm. in Toledo, Fayetteville, and then three years in Pensacola with him. Um, the reason why I mostly left was just development. I wasn't, we were in the Tampa Bay system. Pensacola uh, was? Pensacola was, yep. yep. Uh, they were their East Coast League affiliate. But at the time, Tampa Bay had a split affiliation with Springfield in the American League. Okay. And that's it. So they only had 10 spots in the American League. So our team in the East Coast League, there was only four of us the last year. There might have only been three of us the last year that were not under contract with Tampa at the time. Uh, Like there were all guys that had signed big deals already and a lot of them never played in the NHL. But that's just how many guys they didn't have a spot for, so they had to play in the coast. And those guys were happy because they were making big money. And in the coast, you didn't have to pay for your place or anything. In the American League, when you go up there, it's you got to pay for your own housing and stuff. So guys were some of the Euro- European guys that knew they weren't going to play in the show but had signed a deal were much happier to play down on the coast than, than up in the American League because at the end of the day, they make more money. Yeah, absolutely. I should have asked that too. Like, so what was the like? How much money were you making at this 
point in time. In the coast? In the coast. Not much. Like not what's much. what's like not six hundred bucks a week probably, seven hundred bucks oh, a week. Twenty four hundred bucks a month, something yeah. like that. But you don't pay for anything, right? No, you you're you're living zero bills. Zero bills. Even zero food? Bills. You gotta pay for food? Yeah, but it, you get so much so many deals at restaurants and free but yes, you do pay for your food. But yeah. that's but I mean as far as living expenses go minimal. And all the travel you're doing with yeah. the team anyways. Yeah. You can you can get by and go home with some. You're not doing it for the money. Let's put it that way, right? Like yeah. the the coast was never about the money. The East Coast League was about still making the NHL. Yeah. How how was uh, how were the fans in Pensacola? Awesome, awesome, great rink, and it seats about eighty five hundred people. At the time, we were averaging six thousand. Like it, it yeah, was decent. It was then an awesome place to to play. Yeah, and just walk around in your shorts. Like I'm just jealous. Come right? to the rink in shorts. Like, is this not the best time in Lloyd right now? It's the spring yeah, is know. out. The snow was melting. We're crazy, stupid Canadians. We think we can walk around in shorts, and it's zero. Or in the states, it's thirty two. Right. Yeah. But it feels like it, kid. Down there, you probably walk around. It's twenty above every day, and yep. like. Got chilly in December, January, just with the wind yeah. and everything. But you're, I mean, chilly is jeans and a sweater. Yeah. But by March, you're right back out on the beach. And in Pensacola, uh, this is something maybe the team never thought about or whatever when they were picking destinations. But that is spring break, like <laughs> central between Pensacola Beach and Destin. That's where all the college kids come from around the country over an entire month because all the schools stagger. All the divisions within the NCAA stagger their spring break. So you've got a nonstop wave of partiers Partiers. down there. So sure enough, our end of our season, all three years I was there, all all three years we were there, uh, we had no success. Like we just shit the bed in the in the playoffs every year and it was literally because our guys couldn't stay focused chasing the extracurricular yep yep it was unreal yeah we had lots of young guys young single guys or whatever so those guys would just be animals (laughs) couldn't rein it in right and that's that team uh, shit 2013 would have been the the only the second time they've won a championship in that city over 20 years of hockey or whatever it's been there. And and it's always been easy for them to recruit good teams because it's a beautiful place. Yeah. So they have good teams. Don't kid yourself, but you look at their records and you know, they, so what the heck has Vegas done then? Right. Because they are the ultimate nightlife and they've never had a problem. Well, I think it's like that all year though. Right. So Maybe they just, they just, just drowned it out. It. Yeah. I don't know. They're East Coast. They had an East Coast League team in Vegas. Um, I'm not sure how they did or whatever. I've never really looked it up, but I'm sure those guys would have struggled too, right? Yeah. And there's a difference between the the East Coast and the Amer- or the NHL in that regards too. You're gonna have guys that just, I mean, there's not as much accountability um, from the team. Yeah, uh, looking down on you in the East Coast League compared to an NHL team when they're paying you a million bucks or whatever, yeah. right? Yeah, I've always heard uh, uh, the the biggest change from going from like the Dub Junior A that kind of thing, and then going down and playing East Coast or the Central or anything like that is the nightlife and having to rein that side of things in. Is that at all true? Yep, for sure. 
I, I could see how lots of guys struggle with it. I was fortunate enough that I was married young. Um, so I, my wife was, she was with me the, the whole, the whole time. So I never had a chance to get in trouble. She kind of kept me in line and, <laughs> and made sure I didn't do anything too, too stupid. stupid, too stupid. <laughs> There's definitely a couple, couple stupid moments, but nothing that got me into, uh, trouble with the law or anything What's, like uh, that. where's the worst, uh, or maybe not the worst, but what's, uh, one of the, you don't even have to throw out names by any means, but you have to have stories then from Pensacola, oh. spring break, guys being dumb, getting sat, canned, I don't know, like there must be something that pops out in your brain. Craziest thing that I probably saw happen in Pensacola, and there was a lot that happened, but for one night of drama, our team went out to the bar across the street from the rink after a game. It was in March. Two of our guys that just didn't get along too well. One of them made a, a comment to the other one about his something about his wife. And the one guy grabbed a beer bottle and didn't smash it on his head. He had the beer bottle in his hand and he smushed it on his forehead and broke it. Like, But hit him that hard, pushed the bottle Oof. that hard into his forehead cut him open a waitress ended up getting some flying glass in her eye we didn't find that out till the next morning but uh so the cops had those two donkeys out on the street arrested or in cuffs i just happened to be the guy standing or come out of the bar uh first to the cops and they knew they knew i was with the team and he's cop asked me for our coach's number so sure enough i dial it hey gordo this guy here that wants to talk to you. Pass the phone over. Cop has a long conversation with our coach. Somehow the two guys in handcuffs that just bottled each other are allowed to, to go home. Uh, so the one goes to the hospital to get stitched up. The other one goes to our trainer's house to get his hand stitched up. Needless to say, two hours later, somehow the rest of us are back out on the beach. Because uh, why not? We live, Yeah, why not? We live on a skinny little couple mile wide uh, width of island it's just, if you google pensacola beach you'll you'll get a feel for it uh we we're all at a at a at a bar right by the big beach ball so if you do uh google it you'll you'll see the big beach ball there on the main beach and there's a little bar in there and the rest of us went into there and sure enough one of those guys showed up a couple hours later it's about three in the morning yeah that's where you were living well not yeah. that exact spot but that strip yeah, yeah he, ain't, he ain't kidding folks that is a strip of what looks like less than i don't know a couple football fields wide of beach yeah it's surrounded it's, by water holy crap it's a gorgeous place Anyway, so we end up out at this uh, out at this little bar on the beach. Here's the here's the beach ball. We're we lived in one of the big buildings right beside it. But, and the two guys that the incident happened with, they ended up making their way back after going and getting all sewed up. They make their way back to that to the bar where we all are. Sure enough, shit kicks off again. Between and, the same two guys. Yeah. The same two guys, yeah, and the one guy wasn't liked by many of us, so 
a few of us may have got involved in it as well a little bit but uh, it was a gong show full-out gong show and the same cops ended up out at that one like just by i don't know how it happened but i think it was a complete fluke but the same cop that asked me for my phone to call my coach the first time asked for it again asked for it again <laughs> this time we pretty much got our hands all spread out on the car and even my wife is is got her hands out on the car and they're patting her down and all oh, they were really mad oh that cop was screaming about how he brings his kids to the games and what a great bunch of role models we were oh <laughs> uh, anyways we called our uh yeah we called our coach and we got driven home or went home that night and uh i'm not sure what the other two guys ended up doing one of them i think got taken away but one of them wasn't there in the morning let's put it that way yeah uh for our team meeting at nine o'clock the next day which i don't even know how we made it to that um yeah one of the guys was was gone already gone uh, I'm sure he was flying out like literally that same day. And yeah, that was probably one of the crazier it's a wilder stories. Night. Yeah, I left out a lot of the dirty details, but you, know, you get the picture. More, yeah, you can get the picture of what went on that night. That's the first time I've seen teammates bottle each other, and I haven't seen it since. So probably a good thing. Probably a good thing. Probably yeah. a good thing. But that's I can just imagine being the coach, getting a phone call, you're like, "Okay, that was yeah. stupid, right?" All right. They're going to go home, they're going to sleep this off. We'll talk about it in the morning. And then 2 hours goes by and the same cop calls you on the same phone. Yeah. I got the same two guys again. Oops. Yeah. Not good. <laughs> Not good. <laughs> good for us though. Good for good for stories later on. Absolutely. So then you, okay, so you, you spend all your time in Pensacola. You, you decide that you need to go somewhere else. You end up in Detroit? Yep. In elite, uh, I, I'm not wrong on this. It was the United United Hockey League? Correct. Which is no more. No more. What the heck? Is the United Hockey League similar to? Like, East Coast League, Central same, League. Same yep. kind of thing, right? Like they all kind of now yep. joined a little bit, right? Yep. Yeah, a lot of the teams that have played in the Central League or the United League over the years are a part of the East Coast League now. The East Coast League has taken over and pretty much grabbed all the good teams. Everybody else, the smaller market teams, will go to the SPHL. But yeah, the United, it was the United League at that time. So that that was a that was a pretty big shock to the system. It was either there or Colorado. We were kind of deciding to go to Colorado Eagles, and they were at the time one of the best minor league teams to go to. Um, but Detroit was an expansion team, and Gary Younger was the the coach. And Gary, like Gary Younger, like we're talking the guy who used to be like no actually Iron Man, Iron Man right? Uh, sorry, that's what I was going to get to. Yeah, he, yep. he held the record for most games dress consecutively in the NHL. I don't think he holds any more. Actually, I know he doesn't. I know that record was broke after him. Cogliano, I think, or someone has it now. Yeah. Ah. But he was that original NHL Iron Man, yep. I think he, he was like 900 consecutive games. Something like that, yep. Yeah, like... He was old school. Yeah, like that's... Anyone who's played hockey, hell, anyone who's played any sport, screw that, like... That can do it consecutively. Well, and just not games. pick up a nick and and just you know like it yeah. wear on a guy and okay I got to sit a couple out here get the flu even right special breed yeah and absolutely. a little bit of luck and a little bit of luck a little yeah. bit of luck for sure but yeah he was uh, he used to practice with us like 
but he would just put chin pads on. Yeah. Have his tracksuit on. And when we would do any three on three or any game sit game type stuff, he, he would jump right in and just start playing. And, and that's the way they, when they played in the seventies, eighties, and that's, that's the way, the way they played. They just played like systems, huh? What do you mean system? Like he had no, on that side of things for coaching and stuff. He had no answers for the other teams. We had no systems. We did it all in house within our, you Groups. know, the cap. Yep. Yeah. Within our captains kind of organized it. And, and we made sure we, we had stuff, you know, structure for that year. But when he was, when he was coaching, it's not a knock against Gary at all. It's just the type of guy. And he the was. Era. And the t- yeah, totally. When yeah. they played, they just played when, we came in between periods. He would be reading the newspaper or a Bible. He was a born again Christian, so um, that's just the way he was, right? Whereas most coaches now would be going through their clips on their iPad. And, oh my God! And yeah, dis- yeah, you know, dissecting yeah. everything and coming up with answers in between periods. And so, is it the first? Did you just play there one year? Yeah, just one year. So yeah. the one year you play there is the NHL lockout there year then, yep. right? Oh four, oh five. Yeah. And you, I, I wrote it on the little bio of this, but you said you played with Chris Chalios, uh, Darian Hatcher, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, if you followed anything in the NHL for any amount of time, Chris Chalios was, right. I was getting, like, that guy played until he was 44, 45, somewhere right in, in that the ballpark. NHL and in the NHL, and kept playing in the American League. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Right? And Darian Hatcher, up until they made the rule changes, was the one guy you didn't want to stand in front of the net with. He was a behemoth. Yeah. And then you'd mentioned uh, Sean Avery came in there, yep. who, well, we all remember him with Marty Broder there the other, yep. well, not the other day, but towards the end of his career with the Rangers, right? Yep. He is the ultimate agitator. Yep. He's special. <laughs> yep. And then Brian Smolinski was oh, there yeah, as Brian well. Sm- yeah. Who was probably one of the best third, fourth line guys in the NHL. He was a long time, right? Penalty kill guy. Yeah. Meat and potatoes. Yeah. Meat and potatoes guy. He he was he was probably the most down to earth of them all. Um obviously he's just the way he was, but um So what was it like playing in Detroit with a bunch of current NHL? They weren't X at that time, right? It's a lockout. So they're all just sitting on the sidelines. Oh yeah, they were all current. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah, so, it, it caused a lot of controversy, for oh, sure. Really? Yeah, yeah. The they took a lot of heat. The very first game we played with them in the lineup, it was just Darian and uh, Chris. Yeah, we were playing in Flint. I don't know if you ever heard of Flint, Michigan. I've at heard all. of Flint, Michigan. Yeah, tough place. Yeah, okay. Just a little rink. I think about a five, six thousand seater. Uh, but it was there. You could not get a seat for warm up, and when those guys stepped on the ice, man, there was signs everywhere. People hanging over the glass the whole warm up, like in their ear. You scabs, just ripping on them for playing. What they didn't know at the time was these guys uh, had made a deal with our owner that no one loses their job. Yeah, if we're going to come play, you can't can anyone. And, um, you know, they were donating their paychecks to some sort of charity. charity I can't remember something. exactly how that all worked. But I know they they all were, except for Avery. 
he was the only one that signed his own his own deal that that's a whole long story uh so those those three guys ended <laughs> we got, up yeah Shanker, we, got we, we got nothing yeah. but time here those those three guys didn't want to play anywhere out of michigan those three older guys yeah, you're talking Hatcher, Chelios, yeah. and uh, Smolenski. So they would play road games, but only to Flint, Michigan, or Kalamazoo, places that were Muskegon, yeah. an hour, hour and a half, two hours away, Port Huron, that's it. They weren't going to go to Danbury. They weren't going to go to Kansas City, 16 hours on a bus. Just wasn't going to happen, right? Um, Avery, though, he signed his deal to play the the full meal deal. He was getting paid differently than those guys. He had signing bonuses that those guys didn't. He was younger at the time, though, right? From Chelly Olson Hatcher and them. Yeah. Uh, but then he ended up uh, not honoring that. He ended up playing the year, but he wouldn't make the far trips. And that was partly because of uh, uh, he wouldn't go to Danbury. They were If you ever look up Danbury Thrashers, and look up their roster. Look up their roster in uh, whatever the year that was, 2004, 2005. That's one of the toughest teams. They had Nadir. They had Trevor Sen. They had Mike Rupp, uh, Dave McIsaac, Brad Winfield. I could go on. Like, Marasty. They had, honestly, like 10 heavyweights. And Avery was supposed to go there. Anyone and go? Last minute he ditched out because Chelios and them signed with us, and him and Chelios are tight, and he wanted to live at Chelios' oh. house, and yeah, so he kind of screwed Danbury over, and and the owner of Danbury, who uh, Gerard Gallant, I think is his name. You can look him up. He's he went to jail after that because he owns a. Isn't Gerard Gallant a coach? Well, oh yeah, maybe I'm getting my. Their last name is Gallant. Is Gallant? I, it could not be that wrong, it matters, but, but if t- you look it up, there's a documentary on the Danbury Thrashers. Danbury Thrashers, I'll have to check that out. Thrashers. Up. It's a trash can as a logo. <laughs> he owns a waste disposal, <laughs> and his 19 year old son. And so this is the Danbury Trashers in the United League. His this guy's 19 year old son was their GM. He used to wear like big baggy Fubu jeans and. <laughs> Big baggy hoodie, and the sure enough, the very first game we were playing there, uh, we ended up getting a quick lead on them. And he's hanging across the rink out of their little press box. It was a really small rink, only a two or three thousand seat rink. And he's hanging out, basically signaling to his bench, "Time to get going. Let's start scrapping here." And that's exactly what happened. Was line brawl after line brawl after that. But that's just the gong show that that league was at the time and it, it was insane and Avery would not go there he would not go there because that owner told him if you come back here with Motor City or any other team you will not walk out of this building and I pretty much guarantee you that would have happened had he had he shown up they were probably the craziest team I've ever seen I'm gonna guess you had to throw down a couple times in that rink then Yep. Yeah, it definitely, it definitely happened at some point. I'm sure that I don't, I can't remember who I ended up scrapping, but I, I remember being a part of a, a line brawl that night. Actually, yeah, not a fun place to play. 
Nah, so what was what was skating with like Chelly? Like okay, so everybody knows Sean Avery. I mean, you could talk about his contract if you want. Like, yeah, I don't know enough about it. I know he was making pretty good money though, playing playing where in the United League for for that year. But yeah, they were all awesome guys. Um, you know, Avery was he was he was all right guy. He's just he's different, right? And he didn't really give a shit about me or anyone else, and I got no problem saying that. He. Um, it was just a paycheck and passing some time for him, but the other guys were awesome. Uh, Smolensky was awesome. Hatcher, Chelios, they were they were great. Draper, Chris Draper skated with us all year. Yeah, Chris Draper was supposed to uh, supposed to play play, but then something came up. Right, he was in the middle of getting his green card. Yeah, and had he signed a visa because he was still he's Canadian and he hadn't. Uh, yeah, he hadn't got his green card yet. So basically, if he had a signed a, a visa to play with Motor City, it would have jeopardized that. So unfortunately, we didn't get him for the year. But at least we had the the other guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they were unreal, and both Chelly also owned uh, Chelly's Chili Bar. Yeah. Darian Hatcher owned a pub. It was like a three story pub, real nice, five blocks from our condos from where we were living. Chelios's bar, we would leave there and he would have an H2 Hummer limousine ready to go. And that's how we'd fire home once a month. We'd probably go there and party and get limoed home. And so we got a little taste of what it was like to, to play in the show, to play in the show, just the life. That's the biggest difference, right? From the lifestyle changes a little bit. Yeah. Instead of rolling in the taxi, you're rolling in and whatever, you right. want pretty much yeah instead of taking a sleeper bus to kansas city for 16 hours you're flying on a private jet that's pretty much the way she goes <laughs> yeah we once had a bus that bu- broke down on the way from detroit to, to kansas city good thing we went two days before we sat in a garage for 10 hours waiting for this sleeper bus to get fixed and then continued on. So we ended up spending like a total of 26 hours on this thing. Oh, my God. Wow. That was, that You're was talking the to the ultimate minor leaguer. All I did was bus everywhere. Yeah. In uh, college, when I was playing Div 3, we were in upstate Wisconsin, and we had to go across the lakes, up and around, and back down to Adrian, and it was like a 10-hour bus ride. And I remember our bus breaking down in the middle of Michigan, in the middle of winter. Right? Fun. Fun, right? Oh, on a 10-hour yeah. ride back home after getting our absolute asses kicked because they were the best in our league by a long shot. Yep. And uh, I got, I had a headache. I'd heard their goal horn so many times, <laughs> right? And then to sit on a bus riding home thinking about what, you, what you're doing with your life and then uh, for the bus to croak, it was just like a cherry on top to the way the night had been Salt going. Salt in the wound, <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, a few of those for sure. So you got to tell me this. I've been waiting all hour and 14 minutes to ask about Kid Rock. Because you got, you got Kid Rock down. You got, what is that about? That was Chelios. Like, that guy knows everybody. Everybody. But him and him and Kid Rock were real tight. So much so that when he came in the room, he, we weren't allowed to call him Kid or Kid Rock. It was Bobby. I don't know. He hang out a few times. I, the only thing I have to show for it is a couple pictures. Um, 
but yeah, he, he used to come down to our dressing room after the games once in a while and hang out. And he came to Hatcher's. The only time I saw him sing for free, uh, we went to Hatcher's bar one night as a team and we were all upstairs. And and then all of a sudden, uh, Chelios just kept on him and kept on him. And the place started filling up. So you could tell the locals around that area had been getting word that he, he was, was there. Yeah. yeah, And all of a sudden, that pub had thousand people in there and he got up on stage and ended up busting a couple songs yeah it was pretty pretty sick. pretty unreal yeah it was pretty unreal i mean because at that time that's kid rock and is pretty much his height of his career right in his hometown yeah, yeah and like, in his hometown crazy yeah it was it was pretty neat pretty neat john cusack was at our game one time just hanging out my wife <laughs> and one of the other wives yeah. went up to him to get a picture and he wasn't the most polite of guys, and I mean, they were pretty good-looking girls. I couldn't understand why he would be like that, but I guess he's a bit of a prick or something. So <laughs> I don't fucking know. Maybe we should edit that part out. Oh no, John Kuzak, if you're listening, you yeah. can come rebuttal it here on the, on the Sean Newman podcast, right? Like. And John's probably got better things to do than to listen to my... Yeah, he's probably not listening to this. Is and he? if he is and it gets his his uh, tail failures in a ruffle, he can, he can give me a call. Yeah. <laughs> now, so you go from Detroit, you play there one year in a league that only lasts two, I think. Yeah, at that time, yeah. And then, so you, you go from playing with Chelios and Hatcher and Avery and all these guys, and then all of a sudden you're overseas? What was the... What was the um, mindset and heading to Brit well Britain is where you end up yeah yeah I just honestly I got a phone call from a guy I played with in Pensacola and he just said I signed over here and do you want to talk to the coach it was in a place called Basingstoke yeah South England about 45 minute train ride from London uh, it's actually a beautiful little town uh, great people tiny little old school rink only seats a couple thousand people uh, but what a what a place it was great experience great people uh, my wife and I fell in love with the, the place and ended up staying there for three years I didn't even know they had hockey over there at the time I literally didn't even know yeah uh, but at the time they were that league was uh, 10 imports at that time and those imports had to have played in the East Coast League, American League, or NHL in North America at the time to get over there. Even so, and the only reason that I would qualified to go there because I played in the United League, and that didn't that didn't count. They were trying to keep the caliber keep the caliber up, so that that was the guidelines or the the rules at the time and. Uh, I got lucky enough because my grandpa or my grandma on my mom's side, she was born in England, so I was able to get what's called an ancestry stamp. Yeah, I remember. I remember uh, looking into that when I went. Yeah, because my ancestry comes from from Britain. So yeah, I, yeah there was. I know what you're talking about there. Right. Yeah. yeah. You should have. Which is well, I, I don't know. Got it. Well, maybe. I yeah. uh, I don't know. I went and played uh, at the time. I went and played. Well, my wife was, or my girlfriend at the time was getting her master's in, uh, at St. Lawrence was up, upstate New York. Yep. Right below Ottawa. And I don't know. I, if I wasn't dating anyone, I, I probably wouldn't have come back. Right. Right. But at the time I knew it was either you come back and, 
and get this going the right direction or or uh you're a single hockey player because no she wasn't coming over to europe and i don't blame her right it wasn't yeah you never it's know for maybe. some and not for others that's right? right and maybe in eight years i would have been making the league minimum and had some stories under my belt or more stories than I had, but right. yeah, I was making 150 euro a month and I was having a great time doing it because nothing beats that lifestyle. Right. Like nothing. No. But at the same Not time, the at the same time, no, at the same time I came back and now I've played while well, we've played. You, I didn't mention this either. Like you got to play your, I was thinking about it the other day. It's probably your last year of competitive hockey. I think I got to, we yep. won the Alberta bronze there with a SAS team, right? Like, yep. We've been back now in Hillmond. Hillmond, I've been back in Hillmond. This is my eighth season, crazy. which is crazy. And up until this point, I've never played anywhere longer than four years, right? So right. had the same defense partner for seven of them. I know. It's unreal. Right? Like, it's, it just that doesn't translate into most things. No. And so I'm not disappointed I did what I did. Well, now i got two kids, and yep. I've made a life back here at home and everything else right so yep. i'm not disappointed in my choice is one one iota nope can't be but it, hel- it also helps that here in canada we love our hockey we have senior hockey the way we do and, right and you get to keep having playing, an opportunity to play play competitively right totally yeah all right so you're over in you're over in britain i always i'm gonna ask you this every single time what kind of contract are you signing there like, uh, is it decent money, or is it back to this four hundred dollars a week? Or no, it was it was better money then. Like yeah. we actually, at the end of the year, when it was all said and done, came home with a good chunk of change. Right? It's not life changing money or anything. No, no, like no. That, but but you're still playing hockey. Yeah, like you can, you know, you can make, uh, you know, a thousand fifteen hundred bucks a week. Jeez, that uh, is that's isn't that uh, Canadian? Canadian. Yeah. Right. And have no expenses. Yeah. Right. Where did they to, uh, in Britain? What did they do with you? Did they put you in a condo? Or? Yep. Yeah, we had we always had condos or little. No, the one time we had a little mini house too. But yeah, it was it was mostly mostly condos. Yep. Yeah. We I uh, I lived in a hotel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they bought me a hotel room. Yep. And I got to know the staff extremely well. Yeah. yeah. I saw that a few times over yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. So you're playing in a small little rink, and what was the place called? Basingstoke? Basingstoke. Basingstoke. What was like? It was awesome. To be honest, that was for a little rink with not a ton of resources. Yeah. They did a phenomenal job of making players feel good about being there. It was just, it was a different, it's hard to explain. Just the community, the people. Um, it was a different experience from from the states. Even uh, Pensacola was similar with a real tight, um, you know, booster club and people that you always see around and yeah. stuff. But where in Basingstoke, it was all of them, all the fans, or um, you felt like you you knew them, kind of thing. And uh, yeah, it's it's hard to explain. It's hard to explain, but. Um, yeah, my wife and I loved it there. We ended up staying there for for three years. We went through three owners, I think, in that time. Uh, that was that. I don't even have enough time to get into so all why, of those. But yeah, all that pops in my mind is when they went through three owners is like Eugene Melnick or something, right? Like where it was just a crazy owner after crazy owner after crazy owner. It's basically in Basingstoke the ice rink there. It's called Planet Ice. They okay. own arenas all over the uk okay 
like public skating there is a big thing, right? They make good money. Those arenas survive and make good money off public skating. And so Planet Ice owned us. And basically, if somebody came forward ever and were like, you know what, I want to own a team, they wouldn't bat an eyelash about selling it off to a private guy that, you know, has more money that could do better things for it, right? But they'll always be there if, as a kind of a, a plan a B. for whatever, yeah. Right, just to keep the hockey in the town and... Yeah. And, and that's uh, how it works. So we had two owners in the in between the Planet Ice owners come in and think they could do it and that failed miserably. Um, the one guy was a real estate agent who, by the end of it, realized that, you know, when you're shelling out 15000 bucks a week in salaries to your imports and all these bills and everything, you know, for apartments and vehicles and flights and it adds up fast. So he was stealing from his, uh, he owned a letting agency, a rental agency. So he was stealing on his land or his tenants money. And instead of paying the rent to the landlords, he was putting it into the team. So he ended up getting busted and going tits up, so to speak. Planet Ice took back over. And then they found another owner. And I, the only part I really remember about this was a group of us older guys uh, on the team at the time, the captains or whatever. We were up in the room and meeting with the Planet Ice people and them telling us about this Swedish guy that's coming in. He's got more money than anyone. And sure enough, he comes in. He's got the long trench coat on, the 10,000-pound watch. and And he's telling us, like, you know, how, how first one of the first questions he asked us, which is super strange, but I remember him asking us, "How are you guys getting paid right now?" Check or or somebody said, "Well, sometimes we get cash, and some guys are getting checks." And I remember him specifically saying, "What's a check? Like I I haven't dealt with checks in years." He was this modern guy that, you know, obviously he was making fun of Planet Ice for for paying guys with checks. Well, he lasted about three months before the the gig was up on was was up on him too. He ran out of cash real quick, but he was another shady dude trying to trying to funnel money through a a sports team. And I I don't know, man. I there was a million things that happened in between there of us not getting paychecks and me and the coach going as far as going to the rink one morning before a game and taking all the equipment out of the dressing room, putting it in our cars, driving it back to our apartments, and then calling the the arena and saying, hey, you better call our owner and tell him nobody's playing tonight until our three weeks in wages are paid. And because uh, the guys don't even have sticks or anything. They don't we, – we took all the equipment out of the room, literally. <laughs> so they could not play a game just so the guys get paid, right? And uh, – we ended up getting paid up, and Planet Ice ended up taking over the team for the second time, and or yeah, second time in my uh, short stay there over three years. But with those comes another billion stories. But it was pretty pretty interesting. All oh, the things you don't you don't hear about a guy playing overseas, right? Totally, man. Like it's it's some of the stuff that happened was absolutely unbelievable. Like this owner went out with an opposing team after a game one night and was buying them all drinks, gave their captain his big watch he had on his wrist. He got hammered and 
obviously was being a bit of an idiot, but he had a wad of cash in his, and the guys on that team that were playing for the Cardiff Devils at the time, when they finished that night of partying with our owner, all of them were calling and texting all the guys they knew on our team because they knew exactly what was going on. Oh, you guys hadn't been paid in three weeks, and oh, your owner is out with us buying us drinks all night. Gave Voth the watch, and <laughs> oh, man, unreal unreal so that's when we took the equipment out was that that night after after we heard he was out buying another team booze all night and giving them a watch and all this ridiculous stuff (laughs) yeah anyways the that was uh yeah that was one of the maybe not so nice moments in Basingstoke. Everything else from uh, from my time in Basingstoke was fantastic. Like I said, the community, the people there, it was something else, especially when you don't expect to go into that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we had no idea what we were getting ourselves into um, when we moved over there, Jamie and I. So Yeah. It was what, all uh, uh, I always ask about the fans. I, if I... Well, maybe I should start off with the question. Are you a fan guy or are you a climate guy? So the, the if you were to make a team or you could choose any team, would you want to have the building packed all the time or would you like to walk into the rink in shorts? It's kind of the Canada versus U.S. Right. Uh, do you have a choice I a preference? Because you've played and probably in both now. I'd rather have a, a full rink. Yeah, yeah, it's funner to play in front of the fans. Yeah. I, I agree. I'm a fan guy. So yeah. you're in Basingstoke. Yeah. What were the fans like? Awesome. Did they even uh, though it was a tiny rink? Yeah, yeah, but uh, you Loud. can you can have four hundred fans seem oh, like they're two thousand, right? Totally, and yeah. you can and the vice versa. Yep. You can have fifteen thousand pa- yep. fans be quiet as a church mouse. And that's there's nothing better than going into it, nodding them. He's got ten thousand people in the rink and shutting their building silent by the end of the night. By the right? end of the night, like, right? That's yep. No, I'm the crowd there was they they were fun they did were, they uh, did they have cool chants or anything that sticks out yeah i can't remember exactly what the the chants were but they definitely would I was, chant your name after a scrap i or, was saying but they would on, have full uh, on chants that the whole crowd would get into i was saying on yeah. last week's podcast that yeah. I, I can't remember the town in finland but we went there and anytime the their team got on the power play yeah They'd start the slow clap from the far end. So as they're bringing the puck up the ice, they're doing the slow clap, just methodical, right? And then once they get it set up, then the clap just gets faster and faster. And you get like, I I called it two thousand fans. I somewhere in that ballpark. Yep. But you get two thousand fans, and their clap goes from slow all the way anticipating, and then if it gets shot down, it starts all over in this wave form, wave yep. and wave. And when they scored, it was like at the at the peak of the clap, and right. they're going so fast, and they score in the building and go nuts. nuts. As a player, it was like, even being a poser, I was like, man, that's kind of cool, right? You kind of totally. they score, right? Well, yeah. maybe give them one just to see uh, what yeah. happens. The building, the lid goes off the building, and okay, maybe don't do that again. But <laughs> it was still cool. Every time you took a penalty, we don't have anything over in North right. America that I know of anything like that. No. Like, do you remember anything like that? So, yeah, I, I do. I can't remember any exact specific chance or, or anything like that, but there's, there's, I know exactly what you mean. It's a... It's a totally different atmosphere over there, and it's definitely that soccer, yeah, uh, soccer absolutely. mentality, yeah. right? Like I said earlier, you you have some places where people literally don't sit down for the entire game, yeah, and they got flags. Did your going league have the game. gold helmets? Nope, that's Germany. That's and Finland, Finland, and too. actually, yep. it's probably all Sweden over the place now. Too. Yeah, so for people who don't know, they, they when they play when the 
uh, British teams play in the Champions League or yeah. whatever they they have to abide. They by have that. to abide by. It. So yeah. what happens is the leading scorer of each individual team has to wear a gold helmet, so you can pick them out in the crowd. It's quite humorous to watch if you're a fan. You're like, what yeah. the heck are they doing? But you can pick out the leading scorer of any team, right? Like right. That gold helmet. I'm sure he loves that. No kidding, right? Like there's no hiding with a big old. Yeah. <laughs> like it wasn't hard enough already. Now you're putting a giant target on my head. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we never, we never had to do that. Never had to do that. No, no, no. Thank God. Let's uh, let's talk about you were talking the Champions Cup. I'm thinking Continental Cup. Yep, Continental Cup. Continental Cup Champions. Because you guys, you guys, uh, you didn't win it, but you came awfully close. Bronze. Yep. Yeah, bronze. Maybe uh, let's talk a little bit about that. Because honestly, I don't even know the whole how it all works, but I know it's (laughs) built kind of on the same premise as soccer, right? Yep, absolutely. Uh, With like in Europe, it doesn't matter if you're in Britain or if you're in Germany or they all like winning the regular season is the big to do. Like if you can win the the regular season, uh, so you're talking uh, like most points, like the President's yep, Trophy in the NHL. Exactly, yeah. the President's Trophy in the NHL is the Stanley Cup over there to to all of them. Uh, most leagues are like that. Britain certainly was like that. Uh, playoffs is a big deal too, uh, but just not not as much. Uh, the playoff format in Britain is like the NCAA. It's a Frozen Four kind of thing. Uh, four teams, four teams make the final weekend. It's usually held in Nottingham because they have the one of the bigger rinks. Uh, but the Continental Cup is the winner from the season. Total. So all your presidents, trophy winners. Yes, or head to the Continental Cup the next season. Right. So, but there will be guys on that team that didn't win, win the, it the year yeah, before. Yeah, it's yeah. really kind of strange. It's a year. Because, it lags a year. Yeah, it lags a year, and it's. I don't know how how else would you do it? I guess, but uh, unless you completely change the the qualifying stages, but. Um, it, it's a great experience. It was awesome. So right. then, so then you're, so you get to go to the Continental Cup because yep. you were the highest point in the. We were league champions. Yes. In Sheffield. In Sheffield. Yeah. And so then you get to go from there into the Continental Cup and play the top team out of Germany, the top team out of. All over. It doesn't. Who knows? There's like 40 teams or. So more who'd than you that. guys? Where did you go? Who'd so you there's play? like 60 teams I think that are compiled into it at the start of the year. Yeah. And the lowest. The, the lower teams play more rounds. Like we started, our first round was actually in round three because our country is ranked higher higher than the other guys. Right. Uh, so we started off in, in the semifinal, basically, in the first year I took part in it. Uh, we won the league. So I'd gone from Basingstoke to Sheffield. Yeah. Had enough of the switching owners and all the... And I really didn't want to leave, or we didn't really want to leave Bathing Soak. We loved it there. We had our first kid was born, and it was just a comfy place. But that's the business side of it, right? Sometimes you you just got to go. And so we ended up going to Sheffield. We won the league that year and the playoffs. Um, but because we won the league, we qualified for the, the Continental Cup. Uh, the first round for us was in Balzano, Italy. So I believe there was us, Balzano, a team from uh, Croatia, and then a team from the Netherlands. 
So we ended up playing Balzano in the finals in their rink. They have a $5 million payroll. $5 million payroll? They had a big payroll. Okay. Yeah. Do you, who, uh, any idea who I the big guys I can't remember who had all been there at the time. Lane Ulmner, he, he played... Uh, he played for Team Canada in the Spangler Cup a bunch of years, and uh, but they, they were a, good. They were good. Yeah, and uh, we ended up we were shorthanded. I think we were down to twelve, thirteen guys. We ended up beating them in a shootout in the final, in front of their home crowd. In front of their home crowd, their GM walked out. Was it the no? Sorry, their owner walked out on the ice and fired their GM on the ice. <laughs> it's a huge screaming match, right? Right That's, at the end of the game, on the ice, before we even shaken hands, those two were yelling at each other. I didn't find. I didn't know what the was going, what was going on. on yeah. I, we saw WWE style. Yeah, we ended up finding out after what actually happened, and that that GM had been there for seven years or something like that. So he was. Uh, <laughs> I guess it really wasn't a good thing they lost to us. Um, yeah, so we ended up winning that round and qualifying for the super final, is what they called it. What they call it. And three months later, we went to Grenoble in France, and we beat Grenoble. They were in the top French league. So then four teams there again? Yeah, four teams there again. Meet up again. Minsk. They play in the KHL. Yeah. And then uh, Red Bull Salzburg, Salzburg Red Bull um, in the Austrian league, the top Austrian league. Pierre Paget was their coach at the time. They had another big payroll. They're all decked out in the Red Bull yeah. gear. You gear. see those yeah. guys, eh? Yeah. They're okay. but like they flew from Austria to France, and their poor bus driver had to drive the bus from all the way from home to, to there. there just so they could have their Red Bull bus with the big horns coming off the front of it and everything for the weekend. And then they fly back, and this poor bus driver has to drive it back through the Swiss yeah, Alps sure, again. I'm sure he's getting paid handsomely. Oh, man. Yeah, oh, yeah, not. exactly. But that's how <laughs> I gotta, babied those guys were. I got to ask, how how was the KHL team? Fast. Yeah. yeah. I think we ended up losing 6-2 to, to Minsk because we lost in the final. Sorry, we lost our last game to Red Bull, the, the Austrian team there. We lost 6-2 as well, I believe. But, yeah, they were... They were just, faster than the the Austrian team. You like, just always hear so much about the KHL, right? Yeah. Like guys going over there and it pays well yep. and blah, blah, blah. You've yep. heard like it's just behind the NHL, it's probably the most talked about league in the world. Yeah. Is the KHL. Yeah, and I still, it's not even, it's not on the same. You can't even really compare it to the NHL. No. Yeah. But it's it's good. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's, it's a fast league. It's just not, maybe not as tough right yeah. nhl is yeah they're not fighting and it's still a tough league right you tough still to have play in, right each team has eight lines of deep players who are exceptionally good right right and i say eight lines because you got four in the show and four in the yep. nhl right like that's pretty much how every team's built now you yeah got, the, your farm system has a full team of guys who can be called up and moved around yeah absolutely and the stars like even the stars are machines some of them right ovechkin's 6'3 240 you got guys like that running around and he plays physical God. too right you can just put the puck in the net yeah like I have know. you ever seen a guy just sit in the same bloody spot yeah. all the time you know he's gonna sit there you know he's gonna shoot from there right. everybody on the 
in the rink knows it's coming, and he still puts a bar in, and you're just like, yeah, yeah. that's that's because if you cheat on him, they'll. Wow, they got enough weapons, right? Totally. It's yeah. Speaking it's pretty, of uh, uh, current business, right now, did you see that Holpe's not going to the White House? He declined. Well, they watched him win Stanley Cup, right? So then they get to go to the White House, and he just came out and said him and one other, and I'm spacing on who the other Washington Capitals. There's two of them, I think. He's Canadian. Yeah. <clears throat> so is it because of something that's happening uh, in Canada? He, I think the quote I read on him is he just said. Uh, um, his that I think Trump, uh, you know, goes against some things he believes very firmly in, and he'd prefer not to go, and so he's not going. Risky move. Risky move. I get it. Or well, the only I think th- I get it. I think but. I get it too. Uh, the only thing I was thinking is if Canada had a White House, which we don't. Right. But if we did, and our prime minister every year invited the Stanley Cup champs to come. Right. Right now, would half of Alberta or all of Alberta, Saskatchewan, would they go? Right. And I go, they'd go to burn the place down probably. Yeah. Right? Like, probably. There's not too many people that would go visit Trudeau. So I can, right. from that standpoint, I can kind of get behind. Yeah. Understand? The only thing I always say, like, White House is the White House. Yeah, you kind of got to look past your... Well, I just, I go yeah. like, man, are you ever going to get back there? Yeah. Maybe you do. But then again, you, Trump might get him voted in again for another four. What happened to the last goalie that didn't go to the White Tim House? Thomas? <laughs> is Tim Thomas? Well, Tim Thomas, he was a little older than uh, Holpe is right yeah, now. Yeah, but it directly affected his relationships in the rest of the NHL. Yeah. I'm not saying that the Holpe's career is going to even change at all or anything, but... It's just a risky move. That's yeah, all. Rocking the boat. Yeah, you never know, man. I don't know. Those NHL higher ups are they're old school. So I don't know. Maybe they maybe it's not such a big deal. Maybe his owners or they maybe the team came in and said, Hey, you guys actually do have a proper right now to say no or yeah. or whatever. So we we don't know, right? Well, I'll Maybe say not, this from from the news, just watching on news. Yeah. When Tim Thomas did it, yeah, it was like, holy hell, he's gonna do what? And now, right. it, to me, there's been so many national stories around sports figures, right, across all sports, not go there yep. now. That it's almost you just. Maybe right. more of one in the line. That just is something that's happening more and more. Because I mean, surprise, it's a Canadian or another yeah nationality doing it. That's surprising. Maybe it's a good thing. I don't know. Maybe yeah. it'll help get oil going again up here. I don't know. <laughs> You're talking to we're two guys here who's stuck in the, stuck oil, in patch. the oil patch. Yeah. <laughs> it hasn't been uh, all sunshine and roses here for a while. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe this will help. Go Holby. <laughs> how would pipeline? How would uh, your second year in the Continental Cup? Because you did do two, right? And yep. you're. Was it uh, not the year with Sheffield you got a bronze? It was the next year. No, the the first year with Sheffield. Oh, Sheffield I got a was the bronze. Yeah. The next year after, or I don't think it was the exact next year, maybe the year after that. But the next time I went was with Coventry. I played for three teams in in the UK in the Elite League: uh, Basingstoke, Bison, Sheffield Steelers, and the Coventry Blaze. So I went with Coventry. We won the league. And then went to uh, went to the Continental Cup, but we just went to the first round in Rouen, in France. Yeah. We ended up losing in the final to to the host team Rouen. How were they? Uh, they were good. Yeah. Yeah. French, but good. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, awesome crowd like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they, they had a good good crowd. What the heck? Okay, so you go from playing. I've been over in in uh, Britain for what's that? Six years. Yeah. Seven years. Seven years. Seven years. Yeah. You got a couple of kids by that time, or just the yep, one? Two, two at that time. Yep. So is that what brings you back? Mostly, yeah, mainly. Like my wife and I kind of always said once we started to have uh, kids, and yeah, at and that time family. we had two. Yeah, it was once they were ready to go to school. Let's, you know, that's probably when we're gonna look at shutting her down. And uh, Coden, my oldest son. He was going to school. He actually did a full year of school in England. Uh, they start at three. Start at three? At three. Yeah, and they go what was like, that like three days a week. Yeah. And they have little uniforms. And, yeah. yeah Wait, it was, it was did he different. enjoy it? Yep. Yep. Yeah, he enjoyed it. But we were, that was just the time, right? I knew that my guys were ready to go for school it's time for yeah. time to get everything anchored down and so what brought, my body was falling apart too what brought you to Lloyd I Border don't... Kings really and employment yeah you gotta think I'm 32 at this time now I'm panicking a little bit because I'm in that spot that everybody always warned me I was gonna be in just minus the NHL dollars that yeah I was supposed to have right yeah <laughs> um and yeah, we just Layman called me one day, Jody Layman. Yeah, just I see Jody every uh, once he, in a while. Yeah, he finished a year before me, over so, overseas. Yeah, yeah, uh, and he just called one day that last season that I was in Coventry. It was in Feb. Said, "Hey, are you playing next year? What are you doing?" And I said, "Yeah, it's winding down and." This will probably be my last year. And so he just explained that the Border Kings were hosting the, the Allen Cup, Cup in 2011. Year. and I came back that year. That was yep. my first year back. Yeah. I came and skated with you guys once. Right. And then I started my illustrious career with the Home on Hitman. Yeah, why didn't you play that year with us? So I came in, uh, what got here? when was that? Probably December 20th, right? Something like that. It was close to Christmas, maybe a smidge before that. And I remember coming skating with you guys once, yeah. And uh, I'd, I don't know why I didn't play, but basically it was implied that there was no room on the team anymore. But that by that time, you guys had I don't know, I, I didn't play on the team. You guys had a good team, right? right? And so I was once again a five foot seven little D man. You know, I come from playing some pro over in Europe, but I yep. was a small little guy, and you guys were a big team that year. Yeah. And whether or not I could have helped, maybe, maybe Hell I could have, yeah. right? But maybe it was for the best that I went out to Helmond, and it uh, for me going out to Helmond is maybe the, one of the best things that ever happened to me. I got out there and uh, reconnected with a lot of good people, no and doubt. Uh, I've had a lot of good times out in Helmond. Like it's a been, lot of success too. Wow, for, except for the finals, you can't seem to wow. find a way. This is, uh, you know. So last week I was talking with Harland about, hey, we're going into Game Five while we lose Game Five, right? right? Just the way hockey goes. Yep. We hit a, a line. You were talking back in the Max tournament when you guys were unbelievable. I'm pretty sure that night, uh, Bailey Zer line scored 98 percent of their goals. So what does any smart hockey team do? Shut down the top line. Pretty simple. They don't score, and they still found ways to score, right? And th- that's how on fire they were right. all through the finals, all through playoffs. They went through us and Wayne, right? Yep. And so 
we've been to the finals now the last three straight years. One yep. year with you, your first year you came. Yep. We had no business being there. Right. Right? Like, we were, yep. like, remember we were dressed in, like, 12, 13 guys totally. a game, right? Yep. And, you know, we, we got to win the last game of the year in Provincials. That was a lot of fun, yep. right? And then the next year, we get reverse swept. So, up three games to none. And yep. then what no one ever likes to talk about, you get lose four straight. That one hurt. We're a minute away. Minute away, up 2-1 in game four in Wayne, right? Up 2-1. They find a way to squeak one in. I was on the ice for that. I almost cried. OT comes, we're all over again, and they find another CNI shot. And after that, it's just like the entire tide turned. Yep. Right? And then this year, 19-0, we have a perfect regular season. That's unreal. Unreal. It was a lot of fun. And, you know, you got to catch breaks to do that because there yep. was a couple games we did not deserve. Right. Getting to playoffs and uh, make it to the finals again. And then it's just, you know, right? Doesn't like, work. Doesn't work. Well, I mean, at least... We'll see how my next podcast goes because right. this week coming we get provincials again. We get Daysland, Morinville, Lethbridge, and if so, we we play double A uh, provincials here in Wainwright. They're hosting oh, again. Oh right, okay. And so um, Thursday we play. Yep. Friday, Saturday. There's six teams in it. The top two we play each other for gold. The bo- uh, thir- third and fourth play for bronze. In Wainwright. In Wainwright. Shit. I didn't. I, I didn't think you guys were going to. Yeah, we're going this year. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Whoa. Why not? We may never get to go again, right? I think Hockey Alberta said that uh, if that. any any Saskatchewan team out of our league. So if you don't know the Saskatchewan, you got seven Saskatchewan, seven Alberta, mm-hmm. and so the winner of the league goes to Hockey Alberta Provincials. But the way Saskatchewan works is anyone can go Saskatchewan Provincials. Right, you just declare it and away you go. Yeah. And so what I believe has been said or communicated to our league is if any team after this year goes, because Meadow Lake and Wahlberg both went Saskatchewan. So if any of those teams, any of the seven go Saskatchewan Provincials next year, doesn't matter if you win league as a SAS cha- uh, team, they won't let you come Alberta Provincials, right? So this might be the last year oh, for wow. some time that a SAS team gets to go. Right. And, I mean, it's Provincials. It's right. a lot of fun. No doubt. Right, and a tournament format. There's yep. very at this stage in my life, there's very few times you get to go play in a tournament on a weekend and and against that good a caliber, right? Like yeah, you're not you playing the it. best teams in Alberta, minus, absolutely minus the Chinook League where their payroll is hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? Yep, yep. There's some of those teams are shelling out some bucks. Yeah, I know the year that we played in the the Allen Cup, there some of those teams were like Rosetown was unreal. And they still are unreal. Yeah. They're still paying ungodly amounts from what I've been told. Yep. Right? I don't know how the heck you survive doing that. I don't know. Somebody smarter than me knows how to do it, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, they must have good support around town, and and that means pocketbook support, right? Yeah, well, absolutely, right? They got, they got high talent going there. And they got guys that are traveling in, too, from – they're still – Bringing guys in from Calgary and stuff. Yeah. I heard. So who brought you in for uh, to Lloyd then? Stanny. Stanny did. Yeah. 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 Jody Layman. Yeah. He oh, was sorry. The one yeah, Jody giving you the call. But uh, Stanny would have been coaching at the time. Up, yeah. Yeah. Stanny. Yeah. That's who I started talking to, and yeah, we just moved back to Calgary at the end of the year and moved here July first, two thousand eleven, and. Kind of the rest is history. I had a job lined up, and yeah, I heard you're uh, starting a new, uh, 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 starting something new up here. Trying to, yeah. yeah we're just kind of really in the 
am early, I, early stages. Am I putting you under the gun? Yeah, we don't. Uh, have... A little bit, but no, that's it's all good. No, it's <laughs> we can cut this part out if yeah. you like. No, it's it's good, man. I I want to ultimately, I would you know love to be um, teaching hockey, maybe in a different form than I am now. Uh, under the minor hockey with the minor hockey teams, it's it's different to coach. It's tough. Uh, coaching kids right like I'm just I'm coaching my own kids right now and um, I don't know I can just we're looking to start some private stuff and get a few groups going and teaching a little more uh, intimate setting I guess smaller groups right six to eight kids kind of on the ice yeah instead of it's it's a totally different thing when you're going out and you're taking kids and you're um, working on specific stuff that they want to work on. They're there on their own time, right? Uh, which is above and beyond their their minor hockey commitments. That's just where I'd like to. I think I can make the most impact um, from the experiences that I've learned. Uh, that's that's just where i think it's kind of headed right now okay cool well i won't i won't put you under the gun on it when it gets up and going you just let us know and and we'll we'll uh awesome uh, we'll we'll give it a blast i should blast out and i'm i'm gonna apologize to harlan here up until this point we're we're doing this sunday instead of tuesday night like we'd previously talked about because of complications on my end but tomorrow morning in the weekly bean the little newspaper in lloyd and kinnersley moose jaw there's going to be a little blurb about Bradley here and uh, and the podcast, which is cool. So I got a, th- a huge shout-out huh. to the Weekly Bean, which is cool. So I got to go pick a copy up tomorrow and see what it's going to look like because I was going to bring one in so we could take a look at her because it's the first one that's Sweet. ever happened. So, no way. Yeah, it should be. Thank you, Weekly Bean. Yeah, absolutely. It should be pretty cool. Um, I had two before we, we end this. Yep. Yeah, I got to always point out, I don't know if I'm getting better at this or I just get more long-winded, but we're, we're closing on two hours and oh, that wow. – uh, that's a new record for me because usually it's about an hour. Well, it started out at 45 minutes with Ken, and then yeah. it just gets longer and longer and longer. So here we sit. I had read, I'm going back to your Motor City days. I had read a thing about Steve Shannon being suspended. Is that in your time? Do you know anything about that? Oh, yeah. For offering money for guys going out to hurt players? Oh, yeah. <laughs> How the hell did you find that story? That That is unbelievable. Hey, I... Do my homework. Yeah. And I meant to bring it up while we were talking about it, but we got sidetracked. But I got a note here to ask about it, whether it is true or not. Technically, he was the guy that brought the NHL guys in. Okay. So Gary Younger was our coach. Yep. We were 5-25 and 25 going into the first quarter of the season or whatever. This Shannon guy, what's his first name? Uh, Steve Shannon. Yeah, Steve Shannon. That's right. Yeah. Okay. He was my coach for like three weeks. Yep. Uh <laughs> He, 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 I don't know how he got linked up with the Chelios and the Hatcher and stuff, but he basically must have come to our owner, um, who was a little slumlord at the time. This guy used to literally buy buildings, kick people out of them, renovate them, and sell them to higher class. That's just the way he did his business. Anyways, he owned our hockey team. Great guy. Yeah. (laughs) Real good guy. He... So Steve Shannon came in, convinced this guy uh, to take him on as a, a guy that's never coached past like junior B. Uh, 
uh, in Detroit, Michigan. Because he would bring the NHL guys. So, so we're 5-25. and 25. They fire, fire Gary Unger. Actually, they didn't fire them. They moved him into a different position. The Steve Shannon dude comes in. The NHL guys come in. Everything's lovely and good. And first game we played, I said, was in Flint, Michigan. Yeah. And that night, they were extremely hard on Darian and Chelios. Like, actually, no. Darian played on his own that night. And after all that happened, at the end of the game, that our coach, Steve Shannon, came in and basically said, next time we play these guys... I want this guy, this guy, and that guy. I want them not Playing finishing anymore. the game. Yeah, yeah, like they they're not going to finish the game. By the time uh, everything cooled down and we came back to Flint, like right away, it was probably within seven days. I think that was our very next game. We turned around, came right back to Flint, and that in the dressing room before the game, he basically just said, "Fuck it, anyone that can knock Kurt curse this." Uh, I can't remember what his first name is. His last name is uh, Kevin K- Kerr. Kevin Kerr. Yeah, he's like the all-time, one of the minor pro gods of hockey for most points by a U.S.-born guy, I think. This guy literally put a, a bounty on his head, and he was dead serious. Dead serious. So whatever happened during the game, you can't do that. What he didn't know, <laughs> what that coach didn't know was – Half the guys in our dressing room have played with the with Kevin Kerr. Kerr, right? Yeah, and we don't have a clue who this coach is. He just came because of the NHL guys. He was able to get them in somehow. Uh, so yeah. Anyways, we ended up having uh, uh, I can't remember who the guy was from, but he was an investigator. He came in, and actually, there was a group of investigators that came in, and it was the very next practice, and they pulled us all aside. We all gave our testimonies and the next day that Steve Shannon was no longer our coach. <laughs> I think it was the shortest pro coaching career in the history of pro coaching. <laughs> yeah. He never got another shot. Anyways, that was a legit story. Like people have, I've been asked that before. Like, has anyone ever put a bounty on a guy before? And Well, I mean, yeah, we actually, saw the coach it's... of, uh, I, I, the, what it did for me when I was reading about yeah. it. Yeah. Is it gave me flashbacks of the coach from uh, the um, the Saints in uh, New Orleans Saints in NFL uh, Scott Scott Payton? Yeah. Somebody listening, I don't know if that's the right name, but the head coach, still the head coach, that he got suspended for. Oh, it was oh like a right. Season Intentionally going after, after certain guys. Yeah. Yep. And paying them, I think. Right. Bonuses. Yeah. And so when I read this, I'm like, oh my god, crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Well, well, I'm, yeah, glad this, I, I'm glad I asked it because it's sitting yeah, there and I, I yeah. kind of forgot about it in the middle there. So people are listening are going to have to make it to the two-hour mark to, right, to find just to a find gem. It, he was the only coach I've ever played for out of all 12 years I played hockey uh, professionally or semi-pro, whatever the heck you want to call it. Yeah, yeah, he played pro. He was the only guy that walked across the ice surface in between periods with a coffee in his hand and brought it onto the bench and sipped. And could you imagine seeing an NHL coach standing on the coffee with a Tim or on the bench with a Tim Hortons coffee, right? It just doesn't at that level. You just don't don't. do it. And we just knew that the minute he 
did that even right so we we knew that something was off with this guy he only lasted uh, a couple home games and then the yeah and then the, the investigation happened yeah okay second second question and if you don't want to answer this one i'll go to a different one but there was a comment on facebook by a guy named ryan watt <laughs> and he said i want to hear about rhinoing guys outside chicago oh wow I don't even know. I I I bike in a mat. I can kind of see. Yeah, kind of maybe having a few beverages and where's bending Chicago's? over and running head first into <laughs> someone's chest. Yeah, where, I was pretty good at that. Where's Chicago's? Yeah, over overseas. Overseas. Oh, Waddy's from over there. Yeah, he plays yeah. over in. Uh, yeah, him and both his <laughs> uh, play with him and his brother actually. Yeah, good one. Okay, finally, I'm a diehard Oiler fan, so we'll end on this because this week the big news that broke was uh, Bob Nicholson. You've seen he's the president of the Oilers Hockey Ops, right? Yeah. Have you seen his quotes on uh, Tobias Ryder? Nope. You haven't seen that? Oh, I did. I heard about it, and only I only heard about it because someone told me the other day. So they had uh, singled them out pretty good, right? If if you're not an Oilers fan, the Oilers are in the stinker. They got the best player in the world, but they're still stinking. Right. And so they had a meeting or a get together, or lunch, and whatever you want to call it, with season ticket holders. So he is quoted as saying, uh, "Reader will not be signed by the Oilers next season." Uh, Reader was a player that other teams wanted. He came here for one year because wanted to play with uh, Dreisaitl, who he played with on the German national team. He thought if he wasn't playing with Lingelon, he'd play with Connor. He'd score 15 to 16 goals, and instead of making $2 million, he'd sign a four million, uh, four-year deal at $3.5 million. Reader hasn't scored a goal. Reader has missed so many breakaways. <laughs> Reader would have scored 10 or 12 goals. We'd probably be in the playoffs. Ouch. Poor reader. <laughs> and then, of course, the news outlets get a hold of this. It goes like wildfire. Right. And then, well, now Nicholson's having to apologize. Rightfully so. I don't know why he would be caught why? saying that. Right? Like, yep. the Oilers are a tire fire. You don't need to add fuel to it. Absolutely. Right? Time and a place. Absolutely. And reader, yeah, you're not going to sign him again. No. Oh, that's a pretty simple comment, but he goes, well, I, don't, I haven't seen the video of it, right? I've just heard the... Basically blamed... Their season on... On one guy. On one guy and not a, not their star players, right? Right. Yeah, I'm... Yeah, that's that's not professional. Not good at all, really. I mean, I, I don't see how that's going to... How would that help a, a situation at all? I, I'm assuming he was probably just frustrated fired up and he probably left that building going what the hell did i just say <laughs> you could say that 15 years ago and nobody would catch on or just yeah. the 100 people in the fan forum would have heard it yeah but think of how many uh snapchat twitter i don't know just the ability to everybody's got a, a phone right he, just, he didn't even walk out of that building before before it had blown up yeah 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 not yeah. smart no but oh uh, well the Oilers, they're always an uh, entertaining group. Well, I yeah. really appreciate you hopping on. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. I'm uh, I'm happy we got the <laughs> yeah. players in to hurt people at the end because uh, not too many people get to experience something like that. No doubt. No, no uh, thank you very much for having me. It's all my pleasure, and hopefully someday I'll be able to come back. Sounds good. Thanks, Shank. Right on, buddy. Hey, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed that as much as I did um, this coming week. We have Larry Wintoniak in studio. 
He uh, is currently the assistant coach of the Kindersley Clippers. He runs a gym in Kindersley and has uh, quite the story coming from coaching all over uh, the SJ and whether it was Kindersley, LaRange. Uh, he's co- uh, coached myself out in Dryden, Ontario. Uh, back in the day, he was Thunder Bay coach. Um, so we're going to chat to him a little bit about that. So look forward to next week and hope you guys tune in. Until then.